So the last few weeks, minus our little interruptions from our beautiful baby girl, um, between basically Christmas and Easter, my personal studying, what I'm taking on and really digging in and getting hungry for in His Word is understanding how and what Jesus did in His ministry um, and how it applies to us today. Uh, a lot of convictions, especially when it comes to leadership, and I was talking about that in the last couple of messages and how Jesus said there are no leaders, that He is the leader and that we are all followers. And, um, of course, as we get closer to Easter, we'll have the washing of the disciples' feet and that there's no uh, master greater than the servant. We're all equal. And how he washed the disciples' feet, just a beautiful thing. And so, as I was reading and I was studying, uh, I was going through Matthew, which is my favorite book other than John, and I stumbled upon, of course, the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount, I'll be honest, has always tripped me up. It's always been a stumbling block for me because there's so much stuff in the sermon that just seems so impossible to follow. And it just it blew my mind away and the teachings that Jesus was teaching. And so I really uh, hungrily sat down and really researched it deeply and came to a whole new awareness that I want to share tonight. And I'm actually, I got to break it up into two parts because it's so much stuff. Um, but the most important thing is, and I want to start just the first verse um, of chapter 5 in Matthew. And he says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them. That right there just sets the stage of what Jesus is doing. He goes up, he sees the multitudes, he sees the crowds, and he has compassion. And he wants to teach. He wants to enlighten. He wants to bring the kingdom of heaven to them. And that's the Father's will. And that's basically how the whole Sermon on the Mount starts and how it ends. It's in Father's will. Because everything Jesus said, everything he did, every move, every teaching, every healing, the entire way that Jesus lived his life was always in Father's will. And so when we start to look at the Sermon on the Mount, we have to keep that in the back of our minds that everything he's doing is in Father's will. And when we seek to be in Christ in our daily lives, we have this blueprint here of what it looks like, what he did, what he taught that day. And the Sermon on the Mount, like I said, tends to be a stumbling block because we see it as a part we look at it as a part of Scripture, as something that took place just that day. But as anything goes in the Bible, there is a huge, big picture that is taking place here. That the Old Testament is being worked in to the Sermon on the Mount. That the Sermon on the Mount is setting the stage for what's going to happen in Acts and in all the letters that Paul would write. And of course, even in our modern day church. That it's not just a, a little piece of the Bible. There's a, there's a huge, just big picture here. And so before we actually get into it, we need to do a, a small little history lesson. As always, you know I love my history lessons. And so today the history lesson is on the Jewish male. Because primarily, 
The ones who Jesus was teaching to this day were the Jewish men. Yes, there were some women there that day, but for the most part, it was mostly men. And if we look at the Jewish male at that time period, we have to understand that the Jewish male found his righteousness, his righteousness, his standing with God, his stability and his comfort, who he was as a man in and through the law. That's what defined a Jewish male during that time period, was I'm a good Jew because I follow the law. I'm a good Jew because I do what the Pharisees ask me to do. I follow my obligations. I follow the Ten Commandments. There's 683 some of my laws. I don't necessarily follow them all perfect, but of course neither does the Pharisee. So I'm good. I'm a good Jew. That was the primary mind frame of the Jewish male in that time period. And we actually see a wonderful example of this in Luke chapter 18, verse 18. And here we have the story of the rich Jewish man who comes to Jesus seeking the kingdom of heaven. And in Luke chapter 18, verse 18, it reads, Now a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And he said, All these things I have kept from my youth. So when Jesus heard these things, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. We see here in this story, the Jewish man thought he was uprighteous, that he was in great standing, that he had the ability to have the keys to the kingdom of heaven and have eternal life. Because he did everything that was asked of him, that he thought was proper and good. And that was in following the law. And of course, Jesus says, no, you need to surrender. You need to give it all away, forsake it all, and follow me. In that, you have access to the kingdom of heaven. And as we know, that Jewish man was saddened and he walked away. And he did not follow Jesus that day. And that is the primary goal of what Jesus is teaching here in the Sermon in the Mount. All of these folks took stability in the law. They all believed they were good Jews and in good standing, for they honored the law for the most part. Now Jesus does two major things in the sermon. First, he speaks to the people's hearts. And we see that in the Beatitudes. Second, he convicts them that they cannot find righteousness in the law. By understanding these two major concepts, we are able to understand this sermon more as a whole rather than just the parts. Now this is why I have to break it up, because to speak about how he speaks to our hearts, the Beatitudes is a sermon all in itself. And I think majority of 
followers, believers, Christians, understand how he speaks to us. But So today I really want to focus on the second thing, because you guys know me, I'm kind of backwards. And that is the conviction that righteousness is not in the law. And I do this because we see it in our modern church. So much emphasis put on the law. The law has really come back into the mainframe of the modern day church. Not just in the hierarchy, as far as pope, bishops, uh, apostles, deacons, elders, but in the fact that we are so quick to condemn based on principles of the law. And so, if we look at Matthew 5.17 is where we'll start. Jesus says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men to do so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. This core passage sets up the entire Sermon on the Mount. And there's three things Jesus is doing here. One, he's setting the stage. The Messiah did not come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Two, he lays it on thick. He says, if you relax or you slip on any of these commandments and you teach others to do so, you'll be least in the kingdom of heaven. And then he basically says, for those who have eyes to see and for ears to hear, your righteousness will exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees. And to a Jewish man, that was Greek. It made absolutely no sense. Because he didn't understand how that was possible. And that's what Jesus teaches as he goes through this sermon. So I want to take and break down these three points and then I'll use an example out of his teachings. The first is, I did not come to abolish the law, but I came to fulfill it. The law remains. We are still required to follow the Ten Commandments. We are still required to follow the commandments that the Lord gave us. We read about them this morning with Pastor Wes and telling us that we are to love one another. It's not a new commandment. It's the same commandment that was given to us. John says that over and over again. Jesus is saying, though, that we're not under the law. And, of course, we know Paul preached predominantly on this issue. That Jesus taught Paul in great revolutionary ways where Paul was able to understand now the law in the Old Testament and how it applied to him as a believer. And so Paul taught so much on this. I mean, you look at all the letters, and even Peter and John, they all say, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, abide in me. Jesus said it. We read it this morning. Over and over again. I mean, I'll tell you one of the things I want to do is just look up all the scriptures where it says either abide in me, in Christ, or I in you. There, has, there must be hundreds of them. 
Because that is the main focal point of everything that Father wanted Jesus to teach us. Was that everything is through and in Him. And of course then Him in us. So we have in Christ. And so in Christ we are now under grace. Not under law. And as we are in Christ, under grace, Father transforms us in how to live within the law. How to live by the law. And that we can only do it through Christ. This is the main thing that Jesus was teaching when he kept saying over and over again about the different commandments. And he was breaking them down. He's, he's throwing it on these Jewish men and he's saying, you can't do it. You can't do it. It's impossible. You can't sit there and tell me you'll never look at another woman as she passes by. That's lust. That's a sin. You can't do it. It's impossible. But through me, it is possible. And that's the core of the teachings here in the Sermon on the Mount. That no righteousness, no salvation, only imprisonment, chains, what we have when we attempt to live the law outside of Christ. That good works and good deeds will not bring righteousness. They will not bring salvation. They will not bring us into the kingdom of heaven. It is only in and through Christ. And that is the danger we face in our modern church when we just beat the law upon people without teaching about Jesus. Because nobody's going to be able to follow it. Nobody can keep it. It's impossible. We can't do it on our own. Only in and through him can we do it. And so Jesus lays it on even thicker. And one of the things that we need to know during this time period in this message is that the Pharisees, the Jewish Pharisees and the Jewish scribes taught that parts of the law were more important or more offendable than others. They divided the law into lesser and greater. And it was never meant to be that way. But they did that to basically lift up their own righteousness. They did it so that way they looked more righteous before God. For example, to commit a murder was more of a sin than to covet. But as we both know, they're both in the Ten Commandments. Yet they were willing to take God's law and to give it a hierarchy of most important to least important. And it was never meant to be that way. And that's what Jesus is teaching here as he goes and he lists through the laws and he breaks them down. Because he's teaching us that all sin is equal. No one sin is greater or lesser than another. All sin is equal. That's why we read in Romans 3.23, we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And when we understand that we are all sinners and that we can only fulfill the law and abide by the law as we abide in Christ, we come to the third thing that Jesus says, and that is our righteousness will exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. To the Jewish man, as he's teaching this, the Pharisees were as high as you can go. Nobody was holier, nobody was closer to God than the Pharisee or the scribe. 
And here Jesus is saying, no, your righteousness will exceed theirs. And when we understand the first two points, we see that Jesus is showing that in him, we can be in the very presence of God. That the law does not bring us to God, as the Pharisees and the scribes teach. It's only in and through Jesus that we come into Father's presence, just like the Garden of Eden. And then, and only then, will our righteousness exceed that of man-made things, of these man-made laws, of these man-made levels, of these man-made hierarchies that men love to impose upon other men so that they can feel comfortable, they can feel that they have power or control. There is no hierarchy when you're a believer and you're a follower in Christ. Jesus is the authority. He is the all authority given in heaven and earth. And we are just followers. So if we look now at the actual sermon, and one of my favorite ones is verse 21 of chapter 5. And Jesus says, You have heard it said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. It's from Exodus chapter 20. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Now this always tripped me up for so many years. I couldn't believe that Jesus just compared murder to anger. And I never understood the correlation. But when we look at it now, based on those things that we just learned about, it's very clear that he's showing us that all sin is equal. Murder is no different than anger. That the Pharisees and the scribes were wrong in their teachings that there is a hierarchy to sins. And that when you just do certain, you don't commit certain sins, you are more righteous than your neighbor. Jesus says, no. It's a lie. It's not true. You must come through me. And when you come through me, you, your eyes are opened. Your mind is open. Your ears hear my word. And you understand things. And you're transformed on a daily basis. You understand you can't do it on your own. And you understand how anger is truly such a deep cutting sin. And why he compares it to murder. Because if we look at anger, how many people does anger hurt? How many people does anger cut down and slay? Driving them away from God. Driving them out of fellowship. Driving them out of the body of Christ. Anger is no different than murder. And you see, we see that when our eyes are opened. When we live and abide in Christ. Because see, when we abide in Christ, we realize that we're redeemed from the past. That we're forgiven when we fail. Because we repent and we keep churning from it and we keep seeking Him. And each day, one day at a time, He will transform us. We just have to remember, we cannot do it on our own. 
And we cannot teach that one can do it on their own. It can only be done in Christ. Because God doesn't even expect us to do it on our own. That's why he sent his one and only son to abide in us, to die on that cross for us, to pay that sin debt for us. Because God knows we can't do it on our own. That's why Jesus came. He just wants us to turn to his son, our Lord and our Savior, and find righteousness in and only in Jesus Christ. Amen.